You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triath. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we help you improve yourself with endurance sports and also mixing in a little bit of zen to make the perfect mix of self-improvement. All right, on this episode, we are going to discuss some triathlon news, lots of stuff going on. We're going to cover how to use the margins in your life, the white space in your life to go ahead and get moving on things and not waiting for everything to be perfect before you actually act. And then also, I guess we'll cover a little bit of the Zendurance. I promised I would. The little Zendurance project we did with Tawny. And yeah, just lots of cool stuff. I take you with me uh, running. And we talk about all kinds of neat things. So let's uh, not wait around too much longer. Let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news. Here we go. All right. First in our bag of tricks, we have SRAM releasing electronic wireless shifting officially it's been the uh, worst kept secret in the industry for a couple of years now and it's cool it's actually really really cool uh the neatest thing is that the right hand shifter uh shifts up and the left one shifts down or vice versa but that's it and the shift the front you hit both of them at the same time which actually i don't like that so much I don't want to have to put both hands on my handlebars to shift. I'd rather be able to shift with one while I'm drinking out of my bottle and careening wildly all over the road, making locals angry. But that's the way it works. And then also I saw at, I believe it's an Interbike, FSA, full speed ahead, uh, released a prototype of their wireless shifting, which will be really, really cool. Um, another really cool release was the Look uh, time trial bike which is gorgeous. But the coolest thing I saw on that was the, um, the tapered area behind the headset uh, has a compartment in it that's not for storage of anything like gel. I guess you could if you wanted to, but it doesn't look like it would work. It's not for gels or fluids or anything like that. It's actually relatively small, but it's the perfect size for an electronic shifting junction box, which is kind of neat because these were going... Uh, you know, behind the saddle or in the bottom bracket and places like that. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a kind of a, that's kind of a cool place to uh, put it. Um, Ironman 70.3 world championships is going on, uh, this weekend in Switzerland and, uh, Gomez, Javier Gomez, who's considered to be, uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, at that distance in the world. His quote is, uh, <laughs> I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess you could have that mindset when you're that good. It's so funny the uh, the way that athletes at that level can handle this kind of stuff. They're just so fit. They just show up to compete, and they know things are going to be all right one way or the other. So that's pretty neat. And also, I am registered for Ironman Canada, which is in Whistler, it's July 24th, I think, of next year, and I want to see you there. I'm going to have so much fun training for this thing, so much going on that it's going to be super cool 
to uh, have like a meetup there, all kinds of cool stuff, lots of talk about it. It's a very challenging course on Thorsten's, Thorsten Rad's uh, review uh, chart. It's uh, side-by-side out of all the Ironmans in the world. It's side-by-side with Kona. It's either just the tiniest bit harder or the tiniest bit easier, so it'll be a nice and challenging race. It'll be really cool. Mm. A little bit of coffee right there. And yeah, this, things are going really well. Uh, training for the Ultra Baby, which is October 9th is day one. I'm doing a self-supported Ironman, and Brooks Green is coming down from Nebraska, I think, to do it with me. And a woman from the Woodlands is going to come do part of it. We'll probably have people come do little parts of it. And it's a 6.2-mile swim, open water swim, hopefully, if things work out. And then uh, a 90-mile bike ride in day one. And I'm making the course uh, 22-mile loops, so like four of these things. And then um, around that, and got some little hills, little <laughs> some nice hills in it, and some flats, you know, to make it a nice variety. And you stop by your car uh, every, every loop. And you have 12 hours to finish day one if we're going to do this in the spirit of the real Ultraman. Uh, but, you know. If you take a few minutes over, I don't, I don't really mind so much. I don't know what's going to happen to me out there. And then uh, day two is a 172-mile bike ride, which is insane, by the way. And we'll do loops for that as well. And the reason we're doing loops is the uh, support crews uh, at Ultraman are actually pretty dangerous to have cars following cyclists uh, out on open roads. You're really asking for... Um, uh, maybe in Hawaii it works, but where we are, it's uh, you're asking for a little bit of trouble. So we're just going to do loops, and every hour and change, you know, you swing by your car and pick up more fuel and more gas and uh, more gas, more fuel and water. And uh, we'll have a su- support vehicle. I just heard from Tri Boomer that he's going to come down and support as well, which is super cool. And uh, I'm making the course uh, with variety in it, so. Um, while looping the same road kind of sucks, a lot of people, I've interviewed people who have run uh, six days on a track, a flat level track that's a quarter mile, by the way, or half a mile, I think it's quarter mile, uh, and they say actually once you get in the groove, it's actually not bad at all. You can just zone out and just go and really listen to your body. It's pretty neat. So I'm not that worried about it, um, and the people that are doing it are totally into it. So it's just, you know, different strokes for different folks. And then day three is a 52-mile run, <laughs> a double marathon. <laughs> and we're going to use my house as the aid station and then uh, just run around. And Daniel, my buddy, was asking me, how are you going to do this run? And I said, I'm walking anything uphill, and I'm also walking on, the, uh, on an interval, like maybe run four and a half minutes, walk half a minute. Or maybe run four, walk one, something like that. And actually, you go faster that way. It's called the Galloway method, um, and it's been proven to uh, keep your legs from fatiguing prematurely. And you can actually go farther faster if you mix in a little bit of walking right from the beginning. And it's kind of speed walking, you know, so it's no big deal. And I've done, um, I don't know, five or six. I don't, I'm guessing now, uh, fifty mile trail run, ultra trail runs with aid stations like four to six miles apart, and. Uh, a hundred mile trail run, you know, uh, and then I DNF to hundred mile trail run and mile 55. So, um, I'm not too worried about the run. You just do what you can. But anyway, the ultra baby's coming up 
is what I call it. And we, uh, I was running last night and I was like, man, I am in fantastic shape. I'm in about as good a shape as I can get with the amount of time that I have to train. And I guess I could lose a pound or two, but I kind of don't want to because I don't want to get weird about food. And, uh, yeah, the, um, it was just nice, just kind of sitting there going, wow, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good. I got plantar fasciitis in my left foot, and I don't know what to do about that. I'm going to just kind of deal with it and kind of see where it goes. Um, hopefully it gets better. I had it in both feet, and the right one went away and got better, so maybe the left one will go away. And I've kind of narrowed it down that it's from running, not from biking, which is interesting. And, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's where we're going with this, so... Okay, what else do we have to talk about? That's pretty much all the news. I went to, um, oh, there's uh, maps, well, one map so far, uh, but there'll be more maps. If you go to zentrathlon.com, and there's the uh, Ultra Baby website, and you can, uh, it's uh, zentrathlon.com slash Ultra Baby. And by the way, I'm t- uh, zentrathlon on Twitter if you want to follow me there. And uh, yeah, things are going pretty good. Um, Let's see. I wanted to mention that I went on vacation to North Carolina. I took a break from training, four days off, and the vacation started at 7 a.m. Started drinking on the plane <laughs> with my friends, and uh, it was uh, so great. I went with my old high school friends to the coast of North Carolina and did some coastal fishing and and uh, body surfing and the surf and uh, hanging out, going to nightclubs, all kinds of cool stuff. And I have to say, the people in North Carolina are incredible. Absolutely the coolest place I think I've ever been. Um, I'm originally a Deep South kid uh, from Tennessee and Alabama is where I grew up first. And uh, that you know where you, where, the, where you grew up as a little kid is uh, really kind of forms you. And uh, to be there where it was just like that, pine forest and rolling hills and just beautiful and everybody's laid back and whatever and cool. And then for um, those that, that attitude to roll right to the beach and for people to be um, wearing uh, board shorts and flip-flops and surfing shirts and stuff like it was California, but to be super laid back and casual like it's the, like the South was the weirdest combination I think I've ever seen, and I really, really liked it. I was telling somebody, I said, if this was 20 years ago, I'd make a real effort to move there. I loved it, man. It was so cool. And the people, wow, so awesome. Had a lot of fun. Okay, then uh, I should just kind of leave that where that is. But uh, (laughs) what what happens in North Carolina needs to stay in North Carolina. We were kind of crazy. that uh, was that whole scene, and uh, I had some interesting uh, observations while I was there. Um, as the trip unfolded, all the uh, the Zen stuff that I've been studying over the years and working with um, allowed me to just have a vacation and just uh, allow choices to kind of happen as they happened and uh, and just be. Um, I went in with no preferences. Uh, my buddy Waylon was in charge of the trip. He li- he lives there. He's a local, and another friend and I went. You know, showed up from Dallas, and um, flew in from Dallas and into Raleigh Durham, and then went on down to the coast. And the uh, so my friend's in charge, and it's his place, and I've confidence in him, and uh, just kind of let things go. 
and it was so nice. I realized after the trip that I hadn't checked the news or a whole bunch of anything, uh, Reddit, stuff that I'm kind of addicted to uh, in like four days. So, um, yeah, no preferences, so no fear of what might happen next, which was really cool, uh, because what happens next is usually fine. <laughs> and I was just enjoying the experience. Um, and it made me think, you know, we try to fix everything before we are happy, and you can't. Um, being fixes things, like a sailboat, right? It, you can't steer a boat unless it's actually moving. If there's, if it's not moving through the water, you can turn the rudder all you want, and it doesn't do anything. But once you get uh, moving, you can actually uh, steer the darn thing, you know? Um, and then you, you make better choices and do all things better when you're uh, cruising along with uh, some momentum. It gives you clarity. Momentum gives you clarity and allows you to steer, because things become more apparent, um, and uh, or what choices you should make. Uh, we should welcome errors, and uh, they take us to who we really are even faster, right? So you think about Ironman, uh, long-distance triathlon racing, right? You can sit there and prepare for it all you want, and write on paper what you think you're going to do, and what it's going to be like, and your fuel plan and everything. That's not the same as actually doing one, and it's not going to take you to who you are uh, any faster, <laughs> uh, you know, thinking about how to do one, sit up all night long and, and think about it, think about it, think about it. No, it's actually going out and doing it. And actually, the more you simulate the real thing, the more closely you'll know what will actually happen during the real thing. Um, what I, One thing I really enjoyed was my high school friends, because uh, we're all we were all, you know, dorks together and then uh, grew up. And uh, so we all like each other for who we really are deep down inside, no matter if we're cool or we're dorky. So we can have a fun time uh, no matter and, you know, mess up and, and say stupid things that aren't funny to other people and not really worry about, um, you know, what other, anybody else thinks. Uh, and that's really, really cool. Uh, so um, they just let me kind of be myself. I got hung over one morning. I think it was like Friday morning. Yeah. And we went fishing. Was it Friday? Yeah. We went fishing and they, I just wanted to lay down on these coolers in the boat, these padded top coolers. And they just let me lay on them and they just left me alone. <laughs> they didn't make me do anything. It was just cool hanging out with my friends and uh, just laying there and listening to the CB radio and the, uh, seagulls and the, the noise of fishing going on. And uh, Nathan got sick and uh, threw up over the side of the boat. Seasick, not really, just um, just not feeling good from the night before. Added to a boat, the rocking of a boat. It's kind of a smaller boat, so a lot of uh, back and forth. And finally, kind of makes you sick. And um, yeah, my friends are actually happy with me being me. They're just glad to see me. They hadn't seen me in a year, and it was really nice. And I, I wish that we could all have friends like this all the time. You know, it's a special combination. Maybe that's what makes it special is that we don't see each other all the time. But uh, it was pretty neat. Uh, then uh, one thing that was pretty cool was traveling light with uh, just one carry-on. I had one small bag, like a laptop bag, because uh, I'd do some coaching while I was there. But then um, uh, I haven't traveled without having to check luggage uh, in a long time. And it was nice to... Um, to just go, uh, 
you know, get on the plane, put it up there and not have to go to the, the, the luggage carousel and wait for um, your luggage to not show up and end up in uh, Timbuktu or something like that. And then, you know, who knows where it is. I hate that. And I'll tell you another thing, man. Airports, you really get to see people at their best and at their worst. Man, I had people snarl at me because I accidentally walked up to, uh, to get on the plane before my group was called. And I just looked at the guy like... Hey, dude, sorry. They announced it over another speaker system, and it sounded like it was our flight. Because I told you. <laughs> I just smiled at him. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't really care. You can, you, you can go ahead of me. It doesn't matter. We're all leaving on the same plane at the same time, dude. You want to go sit in that, that tiny cramped seat before I do, then uh, go for it. It's fine. It's actually better being one of the last people to get on, in my opinion. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it's just funny, like, going through airport people in a rush. People excited about where they're going, uh, little kids that are scared and and, and uh, not knowing what to do. And and uh, my brother and I flew a bunch of times when we were real little, and that was kind of that was scary for me. But I had my older brother, you know, looking out for me. It was kind of neat. And then um, uh, I think my vacation started on Thursday, and, uh, and then Friday, and, and I had a ton of fun Friday night. And then uh, Saturday morning, woke up. And I was so content and so happy and so fulfilled as a person, as a grown-up, as a, as a friend, as a, we were just, just, wow, it was so great. Um, it's a real, it was a really rare feeling. And I've actually been holding on to that feeling for quite a while. Still got a little bit of it now. And um, I don't know what to say except, man, it's, Sometimes you got to take a break from things and just go hang out with friends and then schedule nothing. <laughs> go somewhere and schedule nothing and don't go with an agenda um, and uh, just hang out with each other. It's so nice. Okay, so there was all that. Um, now I think I want to talk a little bit about how um, I left off with the last show about the uh, the idea of once you find yourself by putting yourself up against something you can't beat, well, then now what? And you need to go back and listen to the last show. I had a nice comment uh, on Twitter about somebody that re- was really moved by that show and loved it. And um, there's all this talk, you know, I really found myself out there. Well, then what? You found yourself, so now what do you do? And I want to tell a story about the difference between you and a saint. Um, In a game of chess against the divine power, so say like God, a saint will throw her hands up, will, you know, try a move, and then the divine power will do a move that's so amazing that you can't win. It's this whole thing where you you figure out that you you can't win against something. And a saint will throw her hands up, and his or her, and say, I give up, and uh, this is so amazing, and I don't know how to win, and I'm just going to ride this through and enjoy it, gives herself over to the situation, and, uh, and enjoys it. And, the, um, and it's the don't know mind, as we talk about in Zen. It's okay to not know, Right? This whole thing of finding yourself out there, well, then what? Well, then you don't know. And the saint is actually uh, okay with it. Oh, my God. I was right in the middle of that 
coolest story ever. And uh, Emily and Kai burst into the house with groceries and started yelling at me to come downstairs from the training cave and uh, help them carry stuff in. And then the next thing I know, I'm out running uh, <laughs> almost 10 miles, an hour and a half with my buddy Daniel. And that was the evening. And then the next morning, going out and biking uh, 76 miles with uh, myself. I allow myself to introduce myself. And so a three and a half hour ride. And then another evening run of another hour and a half, almost 10 miles. And that's ultra baby training going on right there. 10 hours for the weekend, two five hour days back to back. And actually felt fine this morning going to uh, train uh, to go swim, but decided to uh, not. And uh, Daniel and I, when we were running together, I said, yeah, I'm getting to that point where I feel like I'm getting invincible and faster and stronger. And that's actually a place when you're just getting overtrained is uh, or overreaching a little bit too much. And uh, you start feeling invincible. That's when you need to stop right then and take a day off. <laughs> anyway, so all that's happened in the millionth of a second where I had to cut off in the middle of that really cool story. Oh, and then also, uh, and we'll pick that up here in, in a second. And also there was a Half Ironman Worlds in uh, Austria, I think. And uh, Jan Frodino and Daniela... Uh, Reef or Danielle Reef uh, won it, which was uh, kind of expected. Javier Gomez did not win, and uh, people were kind of looking at him to maybe win, but whatever. It was a, a apparently a really good race, and uh, sad to see Jody Swallow. Uh, she crashed the day before in a training ride or something on a descent, and uh, the um, so she was out after a while. And just random other things happened. It was pretty cool. A pretty cool little race. So, yeah, a little catch-up on the news there, too. Okay, let's get back to our story. Uh, the Saint uh, playing chess against... It's difference. It's really the difference between you and a saint and why. And the saint's playing chess against a divine power. And the saint realizes early on he, she can't win. Throws up her hands and says, This is amazing. And I just got to give up and go with the flow. And you, on the other hand, keep thinking you have a thousand moves left. <laughs> you don't. You don't have any moves left. You're going to keep getting run over. You're, gonna, you're going to continue to try to figure things out before you actually give in and just be and live. And uh, you're going to just get continuously shown over and over again that you're not in charge, but you think that you somehow can uh, do something to uh, correct all this. And um, anyway, try to continue to uh, collect evidence of how you are different than what you actually are, or that the situation is different. And we are deluded on a constant chase to collect this evidence before we finally commit and the thing is, is there you will never have if you play that game, if you play this game that way, you will never have enough evidence. Uh, and you don't need to be good or bad; just be you. You are already good. It's the analogy of uh, a goldsmith working with gold. The gold is already gold. You just need to remove some of the impurities, and uh, you're already fine. That's a main tenet of Buddhism: is there's nothing wrong with you. 
Uh, you just don't realize it yet. And once you quit being neurotic about things, <laughs> then you can go and uh, live a great life. And uh, that also reminds me of um, the mindset of people who have had a terrible diagnosis that they're going to die uh, pretty soon and they're terminal with uh, cancer or something like that. And they live without abandon and just do amazing things. And finally, uh, are no longer worried about what anybody else thinks. And they go do amazing stuff. They do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And you could be that way too. There's a, uh, there's a nice story. Uh, Tara Brocht is a... Um, is a mindfulness speaker and a psychologist. It's really, she's really amazing. And um, she has this bit about reverse living. And actually, it's a quote from somewhere else. I'm not sure where. But the, it goes along the lines of this, that life is tough. It takes up a lot of your time and all of your weekends. <laughs> I love that. Life is tough. It takes up a lot of your time and all of your weekends. And what do, what do you get at the end of it? Death. Life should be in reverse. Die first and then live the rest of your years in fun and amazement. And that's from, she actually says that in a recent podcast that she does, Awakening from the Trans. So this is actually a Cohen. A Cohen is a, um, is a thing, I don't even know how to describe it, it's a, it's a practice in Zen where it's an unanswerable question and the, it takes many years for people to figure this out. You cannot answer the question, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Or what is the sound of, or if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound, right? These are supposed to be unanswerable questions. They really tell you more about yourself and where you are in life uh, with the answers you try to come up with to answer them because you can't answer it. And it's that whole thing of you've put yourself up against a wall that where you can't beat something, then what, right? And there is, uh, you sit with these questions and then you have like kind of a breakthrough about your own uh, place in the world and what's going on. And the... Um, on the last show, I uh, mentioned that I was uh, trying to work with this, that the, you know, I know who I am because I've, I've done stuff that's really hard and that I've failed against. So I got a good, I got a good idea, a good idea of, of uh, who I am and, and what am I going to do with that. And, uh, well, I don't have an idea of what I'm going to do with that. And where am I, where am I stuck now? Um, you know, where's contentment if you've got most of the pieces, uh, together and it's actually, uh, I, what I would do is I would say, okay, this is the next thing I need to figure out. And every chance, not every, I mean, I wasn't like crazy about it, but I would, if I'm going for a bike ride or I'm going for a run or I got a few minutes where I'm just sitting by myself, I would say, oh, what am I trying to work on now? Oh, yeah, the answer to that question, right? And that's what you do with a koan. Your Zen master, your Zen teacher gives you a koan and then um, asks you to report back with your answer, you know, however long it takes you, I guess a week or a few weeks or something like that. Some people, it takes months to years. 
and I, actually the longer it takes, probably the more significant it is. And uh, so when they meditate, they're trying to um, sit with that question and really uh, take it apart and put it back together again with a good answer. And um, my answer to this was now, and the question is, now you know who you are. Now who are you? <laughs> and the, the, I swear, these are classic kinds of uh, Zen uh, statements. Uh, what was your face before you were born? I'm serious. That's, act, that's an actual one. Or what was your original face before you were born? And so this, when I realized that this was my question, I was like, oh, this definitely qualifies as something to sit with and work with. Now you know who you are. Who are you? Or maybe uh, where are you going or something like that. And um, I came to the conclusion and it was very satisfying. So I, I know that it's, uh, and it led to a lot of personal growth that for me, it's my answer. And these answers are different for everybody. You would present it to your Zen master and your Zen master would say, yes, this is right. Because your Zen master knows more than you. Or they would say, nope, go back. <laughs> But uh, I don't have a resident Zen master. I have to be my own. And uh, so I'm just guessing here. But who knows? I like it. And the, um, the answer to my question is I need to quit waiting for everything to be perfect before I act or enjoy, or enjoy uh, being. And this is a problem that a lot of people have of fiddling, filling the white space, uh, the margins, which we talk about later, and uh, just nervous action and procrastinating and crap like that, uh, and just filling your time with junk before you uh, actually get moving. And like I said earlier, when you move, you actually have, um, with momentum, you can actually steer the boat, right? Uh, with no momentum, the boat doesn't steer. So a problem I have and that I've decided this is my next thing to work on as a, as a habit is to um, realize when I'm trying to just fiddle with stuff and that I can actually move forward and let the path of what I need to do next uh, self-clarify by moving forward and not being afraid and just saying, well, let's just go and we'll see what happens. So the, in triathlon, it would be, uh, sitting around the bad thing would be sitting around before you leave the house and trying to get all your gear together and trying to plan out everything and exactly what you're going to do at what time and the, uh, you know, what fuel you're going to take at exactly what time and, and, uh, you know, when you're going to put your sunscreen on exactly and all this stuff. And the, uh, let's say you're going for a long ride and the, uh, the improved version would be get most of the stuff together and have practiced, uh, doing pretty much the right thing at the right time. And then just go and then deal. You can't predict everything. And then just, uh, what happens happens. And that's what you need to work with. And as you move forward, the uh, right things to do at the right time will actually become apparent and you need to have the confidence to know that that's the way things work out. 
And it's kind of like knowing that if you plant a seed, it will turn into a tree. And if you plant a peach tree seed, it will turn into a peach tree. <laughs> and if you, plant a wall, if you plant a walnut, it'll turn into a walnut tree. And you have to have a little bit of faith uh, that things will become apparent. And also, th- something that I've actually uh, worked on long ago and have, uh, I guess, mastered mostly is... Um, trying not to judge things, not being afraid of the future because you don't know if the, um, you know, exactly what's going to happen and to notice when you're afraid, uh, for something that might actually end up being totally different. You know, you don't judge ahead of time. So combining all those, uh, together, um, think about a confident person entering a room, right? A confident person walks in and doesn't need to fiddle with a whole bunch of things and the, um, and looks confident because they, there's a lot of uh, there's not there's not a lot of unnecessary movement, and then um, this can lead you to cutting down on the unnecessary, committing to less, um, and then only doing the things that you want to do, and saying no to a whole lot, and then enjoying the things you do a lot better. And along this path, I've you know I've been working. Uh, once I kind of answered my own question, I, over the past, I'd say, uh, I had a, I had a day, uh, like about five days ago, that was one of the most wonderful days in the world. And I couldn't figure out what was going on that was different. And now looking back and kind of working, trying to recreate it, which is always dangerous. The, um, what I realized was, is I was doing less and really enjoying the, um, what I was doing. And by doing less, I mean, I was doing a lot less. Oh, and I wasn't trying to fill the uh, blank space with, uh, clutter, like, uh, you know, surfing the internet or whatever. I just sat there until the next thing became apparent. And then I would work with it, like with craft, like, like an artisanal tasking. (laughs) And it was one, it was one of the most wonderful days I can remember in recent history. So, uh, yeah, cool. All right. So, There you go. Why don't you uh, work with that yourself over the uh, next few episodes? And uh, that's that's my little thing. And yours uh, probably could or should be completely different, but it's interesting. And that's how it works. Find the thing that you need to work on and keep on moving. All right. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Zendurance. And I wanted to first clarify that I don't think that there's anything wrong with Tawny. And I like Tawny a lot. we, we, we ended up having conflict over training styles and uh, podcasting interview styles. I don't know how to put it. And I want to be clear and say that in life, there's a huge difference between people and behaviors and people and situations. Um, just because Tawny and I weren't working out doesn't mean that I don't think Tawny isn't awesome. And um, it's just the situation as it unfolded was um, really not working for me. And you can tell by listening to this podcast, I'm really sensitive in my old age now at 42 to um, what's not working for me and to not waste my time with it. But with the Tawny thing, I mean, that's a big investment and it could have a huge payoff, which actually it did. So I didn't want to say it wasn't wasting. I don't want to say it was wasting my time at all. It was the opposite of that, but I wanted to be really careful before I 
before I gave up and try to get as much of it, get as much out of it as I could. And also, uh, practice with it, you know, sit with it and go, why is this, why is this not working for me? What is bothering me about this? Why can I not work better with Tawny on, on this? And, um, I used it as a good instructional lesson to uh, myself. So let me tell you a little bit more how, um, what I would, what I'd say is that we were kind of operating on two different planes of existence there. And I, I thought we were going to have cool conversations about training, uh, to share with everybody uh, about what we both know, but it was more like me reporting back to my parent about how I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do at school. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not after like the second episode or so I was kind of like this isn't really working out the way the conversations weren't working out uh the way I wanted them to and um uh also I wanted to mention um well what I would have liked more is uh more back and forth like a discussion where I say I'm having hey I'm having trouble with this and what do you think about what do you think about that and we talk about solutions. Uh, the interview with Iron Cowboy and his coach that he was talking about was um, he said that um, he put forth in front of his coach that this he was thinking of training this way for um, the 50-50-50. And his coach said, okay, well, you probably need to do this and you probably need to do that. And he said, cool. And um, uh, also... Um, I want to go ahead and get out there the uh, big things that actually were huge for me that I've really enjoyed that really did train, turn my training around that I wouldn't have gotten to anywhere near as fast without working with Tawny. And uh, the food timing and um, the blood test. Uh, and I just wish there was like way more of that, like little ideas like, hey, maybe you should try this or maybe you should try that. And the, um, and that's, that's, uh, really difficult to like get to and the, uh, without just, you know, an open conversation and more back and forth where we're both on an even playing field. And I felt more like I was like a level below, I was being treated like I was a level below. And this is just the way the conversation ended out, right? it's not her, it's because it was on her show and, and, uh, you know, and I'm a guest. So the, um, and she had the reins of the whole thing. So um, I have to say, food timing. And that just came from like uh, an offhanded comment from her. And, you know, maybe you need to work on your food timing. And there was so much that was going on in the conversations. And the reason I kept, I drove people nuts on that show was I was like, no, I don't think that's it. No, I don't think that's it. No, but, but, but. And I kept... Uh, if you were a casual observer and didn't know me very well, you would say, oh, this guy's just arguing with Tawny. He's not doing what she's saying. And I have to say that is the exact, not the exact opposite. That is totally not what was going on is that I've been round and round and round with so many different things that I was like, nope, not going to do that. No, nope, not going to do that. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. And the, uh, and I know what I did know is there, all signs pointed to uh, me being uh, uh, better than I, I should be better than what I was performing in races. And I couldn't figure out why. And um, 
So I was trying to nail down what, what is this that I'm missing, you know? And if something didn't ring true, like, aha, that's it. And I was kind of like, no, 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 that's not it. And, uh, and that makes me a difficult person to coach, but, um, you know, I'm a coach. I've been doing this forever and I've coached lots and lots of people. And, um, and like I said, I'm really in tune with, uh, what rings true and what doesn't. And like I said, I've also been around and around a ton of stuff. Okay. So then, um, the food timing changed everything. I was doing, uh, workouts too soon after meals and it was making everything messed up like really badly. And when I finally committed to fixing that, um, I gave that a try and wow, holy cow. Um, I wish I'd, you know, figured this out. I mean, the funny thing is it's so simple. I wish I'd figured this out 10 years ago <laughs> and wow, it's so amazing that, um, what a difference it has had. Um, I have to put my foot down, you know, at meals and stuff like that and say, I'm not going to eat that cause I'm going to run in a little bit. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, I really don't have much more to say about it than that. And there was a few other things like, yeah, the blood test and Tawny's comment, uh, mentioning that I got plantar fasciitis in one foot and, uh, I'm not really sure what to do about that. I really liked her comment on, um, massaging things out, uh, like hamstring and calf because I do that and I can feel a total difference. Um, and so anyway, we'd end up having dumb arguments on the show. They weren't really arguments, but I would just go on talking and people were waiting for me to shut up because I was like explaining myself. No, I don't need to do that. I'm looking for this one thing. And uh, the other thing that um, Tawny, that I figured out in the past few months that uh, uh, this is aside from Tawny, it didn't have anything to do with Tawny, was that my um, hydration, I was not drinking anywhere near enough water during hot days and um, that was crushing my Ironman uh, results really badly. And so there's my two things right there that I think are um, huge that are going to revolutionize uh, my um, my training and my and my racing. I already see it in my training, big, a big difference. And um, so, uh, yeah, just a huge amount of improvement. But anyway, at one point I saw a slow twitch thread that uh, was glorifying her and said that they felt uh, sorry for her because of what a, uh, a difficult and dipshit uh, uh, coaching client I was uh, being. And I couldn't believe it when I read that. And I'm like, it's because I can't, uh, can, I can't control the flow of the conversation because it's not my show. I can't, uh, get out there that I don't, I don't want the show to be like this. I want it to be more like this other way. And then, um, then, uh, there was people saying, uh, that I didn't know like my Watts on the bike and that I overbiked. And I was like, this is completely not true. <laughs> if anything, I know my Watts on the bike and, uh, and I don't overbike on purpose because I used to do that a long, you know, like eight years ago. I used to overbike. And so I go way out of my way to not overbike. And then um, I found that, uh, and this is the problem with the slow twitch forums, is once it's on the internet, you know, it's out there forever and people get an opinion about you. And I was reading this stuff going, man, 
uh, this is going to affect my coaching business because there's people out there saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And so uh, over the bike time, time trials over the summer, I went out and proved it, that I not only knew my uh, bike uh, FTP, but I knew it like really well. In fact, I knew it too well and was uh, definitely under biking. And uh, then what happened with that was on that thread, um, this one guy said, oh, well, <laughs> now we need to question your credibility as a coach. And uh, I was like, I'm done. That's it. I am so out of this game. I had an email conversation with Tawny where I said, I got people out there saying I'm not a good coach because of a because they don't know uh, my bike FTP as well as I do. And I'm like, what? this doesn't even make sense anymore. And I, I immediately just emotionally turned off and I started like not looking forward to the calls. And then the calls, uh, the recordings uh, took up time and I have a, not much time to do stuff that isn't helping. And that is where I said, you know what, let's, uh, let's just stop this because... Um, this whole angle where we need to uh, work on this and that and the other when and and then the constant um, misinterpretation of uh, statements and uh, working on the wrong things when I'm like that's not it that's not it we need to work on this I need to kind of just go through everything and kind of figure out where the, the spot is and when I say it's not something um, I know myself I know it's something else and uh, then um, yeah, the food, the food timing and then the hydration, uh, ended up being the, the huge things, not bike FTP, which just goes to show that the, the thing that I was getting annoyed with and embarrassed about that was hurting my career, uh, wasn't the thing at all that was holding me back. And the two things that were holding me back, uh, we kind of happened, one of them we happened upon by accident and the other one I figured out on my own. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, so this, this is kind of, we're going to let this go. But anyway, um, uh, let's see, I have some more notes here. Um, now all the fat adaptation stuff. I also, uh, um, didn't want to get too into diet and fat, uh, low carb this and fat that, uh, because, while I believe there's uh, a lot to that, um, I feel you got to kind of stay away from the fringes a little bit because uh, for most of us, we'll overdo things. And you try to get too fat adapted or too low carb, uh, the stress from that is um, insane, like what it'll do to your body. And that's exactly the same time that my vitiligo showed up, which... Uh, uh, the, the year before I started talking with Tawny, um, I started trying to do, uh, really low, I went ketogenic for, I don't know, like a week or something like that. And, um, man, that's right when all that, that, uh, yeah, vitiligo, uh, showed up and, um, can't say, you know, correlation is not causation, but I was just like, ah, and then Tawny got a little defensive, which is cool that she goes, I'm not in that. I'm not in, you know, I'm in the the low carb, high fat camp. And I'm like, nah, you totally are. <laughs> the interviews are all around. My, my, uh, conversations are all with, you know, fat metabolization experts and, and, uh, you know, low carb and Ben Greenfield and, uh, um, uh, Alan cut, not Alan cousins, uh, Maffetone and, 
uh, Tim Noakes and stuff like that, which is fine, but uh, for lots of people. But for me, I just kind of need to keep an eye on that and uh, personally kind of just, you know, just uh, do that gradually and uh, within limits. Um, and uh, also, the um, you, uh, you, I didn't, um, I didn't care for the idea during our, I think our very last conversation, uh, she said, well, you know, I'm, I'm misquoting here, but you know, a 10 hour Ironman's probably not in the cards or we were over optimistic or something like that. And I think that is totally wrong. And I actually think you should never say that to somebody because the, um, uh, you're setting an artificial limit. You know, there's people that are doing, uh, some guy did a seven something hour Ironman and people, pros are doing eight as a human being, as a male, you know, a 10 hour Ironman is, uh, not anywhere out of the realm for anybody. And it's just a training and nutrition thing and a pacing thing and amount of hours and training, right. And for women, you know, 11, low 11 is, uh, totally doable as well. I remember one time Emily said, um, you, uh, she said to me this about a year or two ago, she said, I think you should, you know, it's just, you're not good enough or, or, uh, you need to be, you know, give up on trying to qualify for Kona and da, da, da. And I said, Emily, whoa, back up. You need to never, ever say that again. If I decide that I don't want to do it, that's one thing, but having negative voices around you telling you, you can't do something. Oh man, you got to watch out with how that impacts people and people will give up their dreams, uh, before they have a chance to realize them because they don't have the emotional support from everybody. And they could just be one small change away like food timing or, you know, drinking an extra, uh, liter of water every few hours during the, um, during the, uh, the bike portion of the Ironman or something. And then boom, it, you know, that's actually how it all works. One small change and bang, everything changes. So, um, I believe that not only do I believe that I could do a 10 hour Ironman, I believe you can too out there listening right now. It's really just scheduling and nutrition and training. That's not superhuman. Uh, it's the truly gifted and, um, and, uh, amazingly genetic, you know, freaks out there that can do like low nines and, and, uh, starting to get into the eights and stuff like that. So anyway, um, at this point and let's see, I did really enjoy the, uh, wine. <laughs> that was another great tip from Tawny was, um, uh, yeah, switching out beer for wine. Um, Brooks Green, who's going to do the ultra, ultra baby with me, uh, sent me an email joking about, uh, we were talking about just training for ultra baby. And he said, um, uh, I really liked how you, uh, weren't having it when Tawny said that maybe you shouldn't do the ultra baby. You were like, no, we're doing it. <laughs> I loved it. And, uh, I guess the biggest thing, um, I learned is to never think you really know what's going on with an athlete. Uh, you simply don't know. Uh, that forum on slow twitch was, I was just reading through that going, I've never read so much about, uh, somebody, which was me that was incorrect and wrong. And then there, and there was nothing I could do about it. Cause if you go and argue with it, that makes you look stupid. And, uh, if you let it stay up there, well then you, um, 
you know, you let bad information stay on the internet forever. So I tried to go on there and, and, you know, say, nope, I went out and tested my FTP. My FTP is actually 300, not even 270. And then by doing that, then I got a guy that says he's going to question my uh, credibility as a coach. I'm like, I just fixed the problem. And now you're telling me I sh- I'm worse. And I'm like, okay, you can't win. So uh, you just don't know. And just to not get involved with other people's stuff. And uh, to maybe not put your training, specific details of your training out in the public for people because there's too much misinterpretation of what's going on. So again, um, I think that's it <laughs> with the whole endurance thing and uh, where we are with that. Uh, would I do it again? No. Um, am I glad I did it? Yes, because I, uh, I got food timing um, wine. (laughs) I think that's it. And man, when you have a breakthrough come through, you know, who knows how it's going to come through and just take it for what it is. Um, and yeah, so that's it. I really got nothing after that. All right, that's it out. And, uh, we'll pick up with, uh, another sponsor and show donations here in a second. Here we go. All right, we are back. And before we get into our emails and donations and, all kinds of good stuff. I wanted to mention, I just got an email from Luke Tybersky, who has been on this show uh, not too long ago. He's doing this crazy triathlon called the Ultimate Triathlon. He's going to swim across the Gibraltar Strait, <laughs> and then he's going to bike and then run from Morocco to Monaco, which is just the most beautiful triathlon course I think I've ever heard of in my entire life. It's the first time it's been done. It's absolutely amazing. And he is uh, doing it and needs funding. And he uh, has a crowdfunder page, uh, crowdfunder.co.uk slash the ultimate triathlon with dashes in between the and ultimate and triathlon. But you can actually find it probably easier by going to the ultimate triathlon.co and not C-O-M, but C-O, or just Google the ultimate triathlon, all one word. And man, I like this guy a lot. I really want to see this happen. And I'm also pretty certain this is the same time of month, year that I'm doing the ultra baby. So I'm going to be trying to throw attention his way as I'm doing uh, the ultra baby. And it's really, really cool. Super cool guy. Go back and listen to the uh, podcast interview I did with him, Luke Tybersky. And uh, it's nuts, man. And I really want to see this happen. So I worry if a guy like this lived on my street that um, my life would be completely uh, different and I'd be divorced and have no job (laughs) because I would be out training with this guy all the time. I love this guy. Anyway, uh, check that out. And let's go over to our uh, questions and answers section. I paused there for a second because I'm trying to find it. All right. Lots of cool stuff. Um, Morgan from Alaska sent in a donation. And let me let me go ahead and say that uh, if you want to help support the show and keep it on the air, you can send in a donation. And the, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that after, after these first few, because let's go ahead and get to them. They're actually, they're really, some really good ones in here. Morgan from Alaska says, hey, your awesome podcast, thank you very much, have saved me from many hours of triathlon triathlon, uh, traveling boredom way up here in Alaska this year, exclamation point. 
I always say the exclamation points if people put them in their emails. Uh, I especially enjoyed the one where you were talking about the lady up in the Arctic chasing off bears. I had a black bear watching us on the run portion of the Gold Nugget Triathlon this May with twin cubs. Oh, man, you better watch out, dude. (laughs) I even had to run with bear spray and hike with a gun, which can get heavy, not on the bike. I tell my husband, oh, I thought this was a guy. I told my husband I would probably just crash and shoot myself in the foot. Yeah, that could happen. Um, I had a gun incident recently that I'm glad didn't go bad. Uh, I was motivated by all your interviews to sign up for the U.S. Open Triathlon down in Rockwall, Texas in October. Cool. Good for you. Everyone will be able to spot the pasty white Alaskan skin a mile away. Thanks. Well, anyways, thanks for all your tips tricks and interviews to entertain us all out here just trucking along with our swimming biking running and life exclamation point keep up the great work morgan hey by the way i've gone uh trail running uh in anchorage and then also in hope people go look up hope alaska and see how far out in the boondocks that is and i was trail running out there and decided to stop because if I came upon a bear, there was a really good chance I was going to come upon a bear. And if I came upon a bear, I was going to be eaten fast. So you are very brave, Morgan. And all Alaskans that I have ever met are nuts. You guys are crazy. And uh, you make Texans look like serious wussies. Okay, then Kim B. wrote in, Hi, Brett. I sent in a donation in the beginning of August. Our uh, email address is different from the email we use for communication, so you should recognize the oh-so-Polish surname. Uh, that was in all in parentheses. But then went on vacation and didn't have a chance to ask my question. So the thing is, uh, if you send in a donation, then I'll answer your question on the air, maybe even you know just back and forth by email anyway. Uh, I donated to thank you for the podcast and all the energy you put into that. Yeah, man, sometimes it's exhausting. Uh, but I love it. It was invaluable to me as I trained for and completed my first triathlon and Olympic distance up near Lake Tahoe. Cool. Good for you. Man, that's some altitude. In July, as I look ahead to longer distance races down the road, I'm starting to make a plan to maintain bike fitness throughout the winter. Here in California, we are praying for a wet winter, so I'm hoping to spend the winter on my trainer in the garage slash pain cave. Can you recommend some music? To help me get into the zone as I spend my hours on the trainer, the trainer, trainer, <laughs> the <laughs> the trainer. Look at all the tainter. Is it just sitting on that seat uh, this winter? I love the music on your podcast. It always gets me fired up! Exclamation point. Okay, I do. I recently uh, was looking for a little bit different genre of music because uh, I do a lot of heavy metal. Um, like Metallica and Pantera and Old Black Sabbath, stuff like that. And um, and I was looking for something a little bit different. And uh, reggae is the answer to all your problems. Reggae has a really good beat to it and is usually upbeat. Even when it's not upbeat, it's still got a good beat to it and just makes you kind of hum along and have a good time. Um, it really makes the miles go by without thinking too much. And it doesn't have to be uh, reggae. It could be any kind of Caribbean, Calypso, uh, salsa, um, anything like that. Uh, you know, you have your own variety. Maybe Hawaiian music. Um, 
reggae is big in Texas along the Gulf Coast because uh, we're reasonably close, close to Jamaica. It's like um, reggae is like our, it's like uh, Texas's version of Hawaiian music. And, uh, man, it's just, a, and, and it's usually just got such a positive attitude and really good stuff. Um, I've been listening to it for the past week and really, really enjoy it. And so what you could do is in Pandora, you could make something like a reggae station, um, that's, uh, kind of happy and upbeat and kind of just go along and, and chill, you know, for the miles. And then when you're doing intervals, you swap over to like dubstep or heavy metal or hard rock and do an interval with that and then switch it back over to something like reggae when you're going back to, um, when you're going back to just, you know, zone one, zone two kind of stuff. So I hope that helps. Um, and yes, that is an actually, that is actually a very important question. And a lot of people need to think more about that, about how music affects mood. It's really interesting stuff. Okay. Mike G in Brownsville. He actually sent this one by Twitter. He said, thanks for all the great in all capital letters podcasts. Oh my God, I just noticed it. Two exclamation points. Uh, you have a good following down here in South Texas, uh, Princess Brownsville. And uh, yeah, man, I used to live in Harlingen, Texas, which is right next door to Brownsville. And it is awesome down there. I love it how close it is to our South Padre Island. Um, then he says, shout out to the Triholics. <laughs> Okay, and now I need to count the exclamation points. Let's see. He went a little crazy with this. I know he did this on purpose. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen exclamation points. Signed, Mike G. All right, Dan Blondin sent in quite an email. This is going to be good. Hey, Brett. Uh, hope is hope. <clears throat> hope all is good with. Period. Okay. Uh, I continue to listen a little behind at the moment, but we'll catch up after I finish my current audio book. That's cool. I love audio books. Uh, just ordered more Hornet juice. Got to say, not clear about the science, <laughs> but so much of endurance sport is try it and see. You are definitely right. Uh, my backstory, I'm a 62-year-old 62, 62 guy with two Ironmans and lots of marathons and tries of shorter distance. Yeah, I know how you feel. I'm getting to the point where, like, how many Iron, Ironmans have you done? It's like, lots. <laughs> uh, had to bail on Ironman Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisville this year due to a medical issue. Ah, that sucks. But next year, three question marks. Uh, depending, yeah, dude, totally next year. Depending on how I progress, either another Ironman, Wisconsin or Arizona, or concentrate on 70.3s. Yeah. Hey, man, 70.3s, you can make them just crazy hard, all you want. And uh, anyway, got Hornet juice a while ago, but didn't really use it until the spring, mostly on long bike rides. Did 70.3 steelhead a couple of weeks ago and felt great. Did Hornet juice... Notice how my abbreviations are becoming more abbreviated. <laughs> I like the use of parentheses. And felt great on the bike and the run. PR'd with a 538. Wow, and a half? That's awesome, man. Holy cow. Good job, dude. Uh, for me, excellent. By the way, my swim sucks. 56 minutes. You did a 56-minute swim and then did a 538 overall? Holy cow. Uh, but averaged almost 21 mile per hour on the bike and 830 run. 
mile, uh, 830, he's saying minute mile is what he means. Uh, not sure what my swim problem is. Uh, thinking of finding a swim coach in my area. I've watched the videos and read the books, but just can't seem to get faster. In fact, I've slowed in the past couple years. Um, I think I need someone to actually watch and critique. Any suggestions? I'm in the western suburbs of Chicago. Okay, I'm going to pause right here in his email and say two things. Uh, one, you're in the western suburbs of Chicago. Uh, we had a sponsor on the show by Spiros Festus, um, uh, the triathlon store, triathlon shop in Libertyville, Illinois, which is pretty close to you. Um, and they have um, endless pools. And uh, you could go there and maybe get some of them to evaluate your swim. And let me tell you something else. I was just telling my buddy Daniel this last night when we were swimming together. Uh, he's trying to get faster and doesn't know what's, how, you know, what's wrong. And I said, dude, I'm watching you swim. You need intervals of fast, like, overspeed of, uh, like sprint plus, uh, for a few minutes, mix those in. And it's exactly like the bike, right? If you want to get faster on the bike, you do intervals of fast, 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 fast. And then what that does is it, a rising tide floats all boats. So it makes your easier casual pace actually faster. Um, and like crazy high turnover, and you'll see that it gets easier and easier and easier to go faster and uh, mix in like four intervals of like three minutes of like super, super fast and um, and try to turn your arms over faster. Uh, look up your, the cadence for fast swimmers and then compare it to yours. And I bet you yours is a whole lot lower. And then to get it higher you do intervals of overspeed. And you know how like sometimes uh, people will um, draft behind a, a vehicle on the bike and then do super high uh, speed um, uh, cadence uh, drills. And then also they'll, uh, there's this crazy thing where they'll be towed while running, strap a belt to them and have them run behind a vehicle <laughs> to get their legs to turn over faster. Um, you can also do it running downhill a little bit. Uh, yeah, you need to do some of that, and uh, that'll bring up everything a whole lot better. Uh, and also have somebody look at your swim. But there's you can do all the technique you want, but man, if you're not swimming fast enough, like turnover fast enough, all the technique's not going to help you. Um, I had one Hornet Juice left, saved until today, a 20-mile run as prep for the Chicago Marathon, and felt solid with several pickup miles close to 730 Wow, dude, you're a good runner. Uh, so, not clear about the science, but I believe it helps. And like many other things we do in this sport, that gives value. Yep, once you believe in something, as I've talked about, man, that so much, it makes training happen. Belief makes uh, things happen. Uh, often when I listen, I think of comments or questions I would love to pose, but fail to note, and as now, forgot when I'm actually writing. <laughs> I love the Zen insights. Um, man, let me tell you something, uh, Dan. The amount of Zen stuff that I think of and don't include in the show is crazy because I think it would just bore people or um, I forget to write it down. And so a lot of stuff is just meant to uh, keep to yourself and, and enjoy. You know, you can't share everything. You can try. Uh, the eating thing, no problem. Uh, sometimes I get emails. People get mad that I eat on the show. Uh, keep it real. Uh, nutrition. This is what he has to say about nutrition. This is a 62-year-old guy with a lot of Ironmans and marathons under his belt, right? So he knows. 
There's some wisdom about to happen here. Nutrition. I have to laugh as you seem to struggle and shift as much as I do with this part of the sport. Right now, I am off processed foods, which has, by its nature, resulted in reduced carbs. Lots of eggs. Um, Yeah, hey, uh, with me, the thing with nutrition is I believe that there's a right way for Brett and lots of us to eat that works for us. And it can vary a little bit, you know, throughout the year or whatever you're doing. And I, uh, I'll know it when I see it. And so I'll try something and I'll be like, mm, maybe. And then, uh, nope. And then, uh, maybe. And then, nope. And then switch. And I get a little bit of criticism for, for that. But I know when something uh, works and I know when something doesn't. And I'm not afraid to change my mind and switch. Uh, so many people stick with something even though it's not working anymore uh, because they don't pause and think. So I agree with you. And um, and yeah, dude, thanks for that little note. That meant a lot. And he finishes up with, I never wish good luck. I don't believe in luck. Luck is for those who want to blame or give credit to something else. So I will just say, have a great race at Ultra Baby from Dan. Thank you, man. Yeah, you know, another thing is, I think I've said this before, maybe in the show later on, uh, fault. I've taught Kai, and now he's repeating it to other people. I've heard him say it. Fault is a bad word in our family. We don't say whose fault something is. Um, it's the F word for uh, for positivity. And thanks for that email, by the way, man. That was really cool. And um, Eric B. writes in and says, Hi, Brett. I'm listening to your latest podcast and just got to the portion on Iron Man Montreblanc which everybody uh, abbreviates as IMMT. And I want to say that I raced that triathlon, which was my first full distance. Good for you, dude. Uh, We were advised that cyclist officials would be on the course, and it was indeed the case. This was great, in all caps, two exclamation points. He um, So on my last show, I mentioned that... uh, our man Montreblanc was really interesting because they had cyclist anti-drafting uh, course judges out there. So you didn't know that the person next to you might be uh, on the bike, might give you a, a penalty for drafting, which is awesome. Instead of like a motorcycle, which you can totally tell. And so it was undercover ops. It was really neat. And they busted a bunch of people that way. Um, this was great. I got so mad twice. <laughs> Dude, I agree with you. I don't, man, I get so mad. Uh, Twice, he got so mad twice during the bike when huge packs rode around me, exclamation point. Uh, One was visibly organized with the leaders taking shifts very openly. I was then very happy to see a motorized official pull over and give about four of them a blue card, double exclamation point. Also, you might want to read Lionel Sanders' recap of the race, which is very interesting. This guy is so inspiring and humble. You should get him on the show. Man, it's going to take a it's going to take a group effort to get Lionel Sanders to be on Zentry. You hear this podcast and you want Lionel Sanders on Zentry, tweet him and tell him that I want him on and you want him on and let's do this. Uh, let's see. Um, by the way, for my first Ironman I landed uh, 23 out of 375 in the 45 to 49 age group. Wow. Dude, with a time of 1049, there's your 10-hour Ironman. First Ironman. Way to... At Montreblanc. Wow. 
pretty stoked. Double exclamation points. Thanks for all your work. Hey, man. Thanks for that email. I love reading these. Um, all right, so we have more donations by James Godek. Hun Chu, who also I coach, and uh, he, we are trying to grow his volume so he has a better marathon. And we talked a little bit recently about intervals. You know, he's like, oh, what about some speed work and some intervals in this? And I said, well, you know, you got to be a little careful. When you grow volume, you got to really watch the interval stuff. And um, that's just a tip for everybody out there. Be careful about that. Um, it's a great way to get like a... a in my case, an Achilles tendon pull, you know, some kind of like little light injury that's just annoying and then just compounds into worse crap. Uh, Todd Nelson, Matthew Heinz, Brian Kemper, Jason Drury, M. Webb, Tyler Moyer, and Spiros Fetsis, who I just mentioned a while ago. Check them out, the triathlon shop in uh, uh, Libertyville, Illinois, uh, former sponsor of the show, and Peter Salzen. And, okay, so let's do our little bit about Hornet Juice. So you can either donate to the show or get Hornet Juice, either way or both. And they um, really, really help support the show. Um, This show takes a ton of time and not an insignificant amount of money (laughs) to keep on the air and to make it worth it. Um, these little bumps kind of here and there from people of donations and uh, Hornet Juice orders make it all worth it. And these emails that I've helped people uh, are just, they, they, they make it, oh, they make me want to just keep recording and keep giving tips and, and uh, information out there. So you can help support the show by going to zentrathlon.com. And if you go on the left-hand side, there's a, uh, a one-time or a recurring donation uh, link uh, by PayPal, super easy to do, and then uh, also you can uh, get Hornet Juice, which is on the I think that's on the right side of the of the page, and so what Hornet Juice is? It's an amino acid, which is protein. It's a it's a protein powder pack. Um, one packet lasts at least an hour and a half is the recommended and you mix it in with your fuel and what it does is it turns on your fat burning and it turns your body into like a diesel engine so when you're doing longer distance stuff or you're trying to uh, maximize your fuel and be as efficient as possible you can just kill it out there i get people that order like the 10 pack first just to kind of try it out and then they come back and order 30 (laughs) Because <laughs> they're like, holy crap. And no joke, it's based on the saliva of the Japanese killer hornet. It's the longest flying, heaviest insect that performs the best for endurance, uh, body weight to distance that it flies. And it really got people curious. And so they synthesized uh, the saliva. That's actually what has the amino acids in it that metabolizes its own body fat and helps it cruise and yeah, it's crazy how well it works. And uh, yeah, if you order Hornet Juice through Zentri, just go to zentrathlon.com, go order some, then um, I get a little bit off the top. So what happens is you get something really cool. Uh, I get a little bit, a tiny little bit uh, to help out with the show, which really helps me out. And then you uh, get something novelty to kind of tell your friends about that's neat and really fun. So 
basically we're both winning, which is really, really cool. You're donating to the show. Oh man, all around, it's super cool way to help out. And uh, then you get my email address, by the way, and you get a personalized email back from me. And uh, we can exchange uh, questions and information, and I can answer your questions on the air. And it's all really, really cool. Or you can just donate to the show if you like. Um, there's the you can do a one-time donation, however much you want. A recurring donation is just under four bucks a month, it's three ninety-five, uh, which is around a dollar an episode, which is kind of cool. So all that's uh, really good stuff. All right, enough of that. <sighs> if you want to support the show, support the show. If not, it's free. Keep on listening. And yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Let me make sure we don't have any sponsors. I think I covered it all. And uh, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. I take you with me out training and doing crazy stuff. I know in this episode of the training log, um, I record while I'm running with my giant dumb dog (laughs) that I love to death, Kona. And uh, we go leash shopping and all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, I talk about margins and white space and creating a little bit of freedom for yourself and the end result. It's really cool. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Here comes the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a trapper. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Alright, welcome to a new training log. Leaving the pool, star date. Wednesday, 26 August, 2015. And as a uh, rule in podcasting, as soon as I turn on the recorder, I get surrounded by people with leaf blowers. <laughs> of course. Oh, hope we get out of here before they kick on. All right. Lots of cool stuff happening. Uh, doing the swim this morning. Woke up. Kind of not that into it. Kind of felt it out a little bit. Nice and gentle. I thought I'd uh, detail some of how I'm getting stuff done. Um, so you swim easy and then if you feel like mixing in a little bit of intervals, you start mixing them in just a tad bit, a tiny, uh, amount of fuel every 10 minutes. And I'm talking about the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest amount, like maybe, uh, maybe 15 calories sip of gel, uh, with, uh, water and, and then that allows you to knock out intervals, which make you stronger. Uh, there was a really cool article that I came across where they said, um, I guess it was on Triathlete Magazine, that doing workouts like an hour, you know, an hour is a long time. Uh, and uh, with, you know, fasted workouts, and this goes directly against all the the craziness of fasted stuff to up your metabolism. Well... It's actually harmful to you because it'll um, your body's having to dig deep into its structure, into bones and muscle to fuel the workout, and it ends up uh, pulling the rug out from under you, cutting you cutting you off at your knees. And if you fuel just a little bit, then you have the energy um, to uh, 
you, you don't have to sacrifice your body to improve your body, right? When you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, duh. <laughs> and then as the uh, super coaches will say, uh, you want to practice fueling all the time so your stomach's ready for fueling when you go long. So I found something that really works for me is the tiniest sip of fuel um, every 10 minutes uh, if I'm doing a workout that's up, uh, starting at an hour or more. And it's nice, man. The um, I was going to detail my uh, my homemade fuel mix. So what I do is I make a three-hour bottle, and the um, but I make it like super concentrated. And what that is is a scoop of powdered Gatorade, and that's the industrial scoop. And then maltodextrin pow- maltodextrin powder. Um, on top of that, so that for three hours, it's one scoop of Gatorade, and that's the big scoop, one scoop of Gatorade and um, maltodextrin powder so that it adds up to a total of 300 calories per hour. So it's like 900 calories. Um, If you weigh it all out, I use an electric scale or digital scale, and then I put it in a blender, and then I add one gram of sodium per hour um, and salt is 40% sodium. So you got to remember that it gets complicated. It can turn into a mad scientist. It's totally a uh, breaking bad going on in my kitchen when I'm making this stuff, but I have a point. The, uh, cool thing is I make up a three hour bottle. Last time I made a six hour bottle of this formula. So what it is, Gatorade is sucrose and dextrose, uh, fructose, right? Um, but no starch. And, um, if you don't use a wide mix of sugars, uh, then you, you're limiting your, your uptake of different channels that you can uh, get energy from. Um, and my body really likes maltodextrin, and it doesn't like fructose so much. Um, that gives me stomach cramps. So actually, I'm, what I'm doing there is it's about like one-third Gatorade and two-thirds maltodextrin by the time I'm done. Uh, with my stuff. And I tell you, getting a digital scale and doing stuff by grams changed everything. Absolutely everything. And then throwing it in a, in a Vitamix and blending it up and then pouring it out into a, um, oh, with the sodium already added. Uh, what I do is um, I pour it into a bike bottle, you know, and then um, this stuff will go bad if you leave it out at room temperature. It'll start to ferment with all the sugar in it. And the, uh, what I do is I put it in the fridge and then I have a running flask, you know, like, uh, that you see out there, the the tiny little squeeze flask. It's probably like four ounces or six ounces, I guess, of, uh, if that of, uh, fluid that it can hold. And I fill it about halfway full with, with the, my homemade gel. And I'm saving a ton of money by making my homemade gels. And then, um, I uh, use about, I don't know, half of that or a tenth of that, I don't know, somewhere in between, kind of just a little sip every once in a while, every 10 minutes. And I would say by the end of an hour, I've probably taken 100 calories, maybe. Yeah, probably about 100. Let's just say about 100. And um, that's nice. It makes your workout just go really, really well, really fluid and nice energy and you're not digging into your body to uh to uh do this stuff because i like to mix in intervals with my work and now you're overreaching and then uh, you recover faster you feel good 
Oh man, all around, it's great stuff. Um, so that's what I've found that actually works for me, and it keeps me from like binging out on carbs like later in the day because I actually fueled my workout pretty good. And uh, while you're working out, your insulin response is so great. It absorbs everything. So we've had Christine Lynch on here talking about, you know, while you're actually training, you can, and we've had a lot of people on this show uh, talking about, oh, while you're training, while actually doing the activity, um, you know, fueling is uh, fine. It's when you're not training and you're pouring sugar on stuff that your body's like going, what the F? (laughs) Okay, so also on top of that, I might have mentioned it earlier in the show. I got plantar fasciitis in my left heel really bad. A little bit in my right heel, but I've got it in my left heel. Um, I've had it like in the arch of my foot before. It finally went away. Um, But it's gotten bad enough. The problem is is I can't figure out what's causing it. Is it it biking or is it running? And I don't know. But the... um, you can get all these. Well, what's happening, probably, most likely, is uh, up the chain of my leg, there's muscles that are uh, cramped up or knotted up or whatever, and that shortens the length of the muscle. And like a rubber band, it pulls tighter on the tendon that runs across your heel to your toes. And then because you're on your heel, it rubs that tightened area too much, and then it causes pain. And uh, then it gets inflamed, and the more inflamed it gets, the more sensitive it gets, and then it's just compounding and uh, makes things worse. Hold on, I need to eat something. Post-workout. Peanut butter cracker. A little bit of water. Ah, okay. The, um, so the solution is you got to work out that knot in your uh, leg. What is it? Where's the where's the injury? Where's the damage where stuff is tightened up? So, I've actually done this before. And you can buy all kinds of rolling uh, rollers, I guess. You know, foam rollers and stuff like that. But you know what really works for this guy? Is a old-fashioned wooden rolling pin. I guess you could do... I think I've seen a ceramic one before. But anyway, a rolling pin. You know, to roll out dough for bread. It's got handles on each end. Um, you roll it up and down your leg until you find a spot that hurts. And man, you'll find it. And then with the rolling pin, you uh, rub it fast, hard, slow, easy, whatever it takes. Jiggle it <laughs> and uh, do um, all kinds of crazy stuff on it. Like once or twice a day, probably twice, three times a day, I don't know. Um, and it'll hurt. And the fact that it hurts, that's a sign that that's the area that's all bound up with scar tissue that's pulling, that's not letting things be loose enough. So uh, yesterday morning, I don't remember, but twice twice now, maybe it was yesterday evening and then definitely this morning, busted out the rolling pin um, a little and, and worked on it and it feels better, but you know, it feels only kind of better. Uh, but that's only after one, 24 hours of doing it. So who knows? And we're going to keep working on that. Uh, a little bit of technique on how to get things done better is the rolling pin should stay out on the, um, out on the coffee table right in front of me somewhere. I don't know where it should be, but it should be left out in my way so that I can, don't forget to use it constantly and, uh, and make it 
you know, to heal my injury. And then, but woke up this morning, I'd left it on the coffee table on a tray. It was definitely not out or in the way or ugly or anything like that. You know, it's a pretty wooden rolling pin. And, uh, the, uh, I find aesthetic beauty in a lot of things that a lot of people are like, Bleh. <laughs> I'm like, that's beautiful. Somebody made that, you know, like bicycles. I love bicycles as art. But uh, I woke up this morning and I sat down with my coffee and reached over to grab the rolling pin and it's gone. And Emily has put it away again. <laughs> so that could rename this show as Brett trying to get things done versus Emily's eternal putting things away. So now I have to go get it back out again. And it's just, it's that whole thing where um, you're much more likely to go run in the morning if you if you have all your running gear by the front door, right? So I'm much more likely to work on my leg if I have the rolling pin by the, uh, you know, out on the coffee table uh, where it's where I happen to sit, you know, twice a day uh, on the couches. And the, um, the cure for that actually is communication. You know, you tell, I would tell Emily, look, I need... Um, this out just for a while it's going to make a huge difference in my life and uh, I've got this issue and this will fix it please can we leave it out and she'd probably grumble about it but then say okay and uh, and then you know so it all ends up being communication in the end actually alright that's it for now got lots more to come lots of cool stuff going on that's it I'll be back in a minute bang alright I'm back Got a little bit of a squirrel moment right here. I was about to talk about carbon wheels, and I saw a white Honda Element. It's kind of like an off-white. Uh, man, that's a cool-looking car. I miss my Honda Element. I love my Xterra, but that Honda Element was so fun. All right, uh, I want to talk a little bit about ordering cheap crap from China that you don't know how it's going to turn out, and we are at stage two of doing that. Uh, Kai beat me in a... Uh, very short sprint triathlon legitimately beat me um, I think I could have had him <laughs> if I swam differently but uh, I can't argue with the result he freaking smoked me and uh, I told to motivate him uh, and this is part of my theory of where you try different things until you find the magic that makes you really inspired and gives you energy I kind of said well what about 20 bucks you know if you beat me eh, he was kind of like yeah and then I said, what about, uh, and this is to get him excited, you know, and like train for it a little bit and stuff, get exercise in. And I finally said, uh, what about some carbon wheels? And his face just lit up. His, his, little, his little brain just about exploded. And uh, he was like, yeah. And I go, all right. You know, this is after like trying other things like, uh, what about a Lego set and stuff like that? And uh, at his age... Uh, young kid, uh, lightweight wheels make all the difference. And also having a bike that you're in love with makes all the difference. It makes you go out and ride and ride and ride and have fun. And uh, I think that's actually really important uh, considering the situation. And so I found, um, and his wheel, you know, a cheap, a low-end uh, intro-level bike, you know, has heavy wheels on it. So with lightweight wheels, it could make actually a big difference in his race results. So uh, I looked up uh, the cheap carbon wheels. I got a recommendation from a thread on uh, Slow Twitch uh, not too long ago, a year ago, and just kind of put it, socked it away and held on to it. And um, it's a website that sells uh, carbon bike parts from uh, China. And I think it's Carbon OEM, original 
something manufacturer. And uh, that's what you call it when you get it right from the source. And it's around like uh, four or five hundred bucks um, for a set of carbon wheels. And um, order them, you can kind of spec them out the ones you want. Everything looks legit. Um, there's a few horror stories of, of uh, them coming apart and not uh, working out, but actually it's pretty rare. And I would say that the big name manufacturers probably have the same problem as you see those happening as well. It's just a little bit riskier. And I figure he only weighs like 90 pounds <laughs> or whatever he weighs. So it's not a lot of weight on it. He's not going that fast. And uh, so it'll be worth um, him testing out to see if uh, they're any good. He's my little test monkey, my space monkey. And so we ordered them and after a couple of weeks of waiting and waiting, finally got a tracking number and then they showed up. Um, the uh, What we got was black glossy rims. You had a choice, glossy or matte finish. And the uh, spokes can be black or white or maybe red. I don't know. But we picked white and they're bladed spokes. So they really show up really nicely. And there's a lot of debate on whether those are actually faster or not. Kai thinks they're faster to be bladed. So we're down with that. And then um, you could pick hub color, red, white, or black. And we originally picked red, but then we got an email saying they were out of red. So uh, we switched over to white. So they're black glossy rims with white hubs and white, um, I think they're white hubs, and they're not on me right this second, but anyway, white bladed spokes. And they look really, really, really cool. And we ordered the 50 millimeter because I figured Kai could ride, I've got Zip 404s, a Zip 404 on the front, and it looks really rad. It's the right depth and stuff, and and, uh, you don't get blown around too much with that. Um, and so with Kai, I figured, uh, uh, that depth, uh, no short, no shallower than that depth. And they had, um, uh, fifties. So we ordered 50 and that's millimeters. So like five centimeter depth, um, wheel, uh, rim depth. And when they showed up, I thought maybe the order was wrong. And we sat around and talked about it. I said, I don't care if the order's wrong. They're deep enough. Maybe they're four centimeters instead of five. And, um, but after, you know, getting them and waiting a long time for them to show up, uh, not that long, but, you know, waiting a while and then considering like trying to email back and then get it straightened out, send them back all the way to China and stuff like that and be like, golly, you know, would it actually make it? And, you know, China, that city in China blew up. (laughs) <laughs> during all this. So I was just like, you know what, these are good enough. We're going to hold on to them. And then we went with a ruler and measured the, um, the zips that I've got and these, um, carbon OEM wheels. And actually they, and I looked, looked it up on the website. We ordered, we got exactly what we ordered, um, from the bottom of the rim or from the top of the of the lip of the rim to the bottom of the, uh, to the, uh, air fairing, the wind fairing of the rim, it is, uh, 50 centimeters, 50 uh, millimeters, five centimeters. Um, and I think what 
the the zips are 4.4 or whatever 4.04 404 centimeters from the brake track the bottom of the brake track to the um uh to the rest of the carbon uh trailing edge and so I think the zips are measured in a different spot so that even though the four is smaller, it actually ends up being taller, uh, longer, deeper than, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, deeper than the, um, the ones we ordered. And if I'd actually looked at the website and measured <laughs> the zips and then ordered accordingly, I would have gotten, instead of the 50s, I would have gotten the 60s on the... Um, off the carbon OEM site. So that was the first, um, that was the first downside of it. Um, we, uh, I would not blame that on the manufacturer whatsoever. Uh, that was totally a Brett problem and, uh, Kai's over it. I'm over it. He's in love with the wheels. He carries them around with them in the house, even though they don't even have tires on them yet. <laughs> it's really cute. And, uh, he talks about them and he said that he was going to each one of them was going to be his girlfriend or something creepy like that. So I was like, all right, dude, you might want to calm, might want to calm down a little bit. Um, hey, there's PetSmart. I need to go over to PetSmart. Kona's uh, leash, his retractable leash has failed now. It doesn't retract any. No, the lock button doesn't lock. And plus the retracting spring was getting uh, kind of worn out. So I need to go over there and pick one up. But um, so, yeah, measure stuff exactly and compare stuff to known equipment before you order it and you'll be a little bit happier. I wish I would have done that. Um, that was a Brett, uh, failure, but, um, those of you that are interested in ordering, um, the, uh, the downside of ordering something from, uh, just straight from China is that now I've got a little bit of a problem, um, that, I can't fix because it would be too difficult because of uh, shipping and uh, translation and and uh, dealing with. I just don't want to deal with it, you know. And if I had made a mistake, like say I walked just right into the bike shop and made the um, order, I would have gotten right exactly what I wanted right then and there, right? See the difference? And um, and that's part of why it's cheaper. <laughs> These wheels, they're structural carbon. Um, I would say that I'm getting them for probably about half the price um, of what uh, I would pay for a branded one. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see how they turn out. Next thing I have to do is I have to take them to um, the bike shop. I'm going to have them do it because they're carbon brake track. Um, they have to switch out the brake pads because regular brake pads will eat through carbon so you have like cork brake pads i guess that are softer and they won't eat up the carbon and um uh to switch those out and the cassette i don't have a cassette tool because i could switch out brake pads but the um the cassette tool to remove the cassette and move his old cassette off his old wheels onto the new wheels i don't own such a tool so um, I'm just going to take it to the bike shop and say, hey, can you swap out these wheels? And they'll put on the tires, the brake pads, um, you know, get that all swapped out in the cassette, um, all professionally, all in one shot. And see if there's anything else that they notice. And uh, that'll be the deal. All right, got to eat some free birds. Let's go out.
All right, I'm walking across a huge parking lot. I just ate at Freebirds World Burrito, like I like to do almost every day. It's so freaking good because I can get all my veggies and fiber and stuff, and it tastes good. And uh, all made right in front of you without attitude. <laughs> and uh, I love walking right after I eat. I feel with my triathlete body that it's actually really good for you to move after you eat. It kind of helps things settle a little bit. And I'm going to go this way. This guy's trying to navigate a parking lot with his giant truck. It's Texas, the land of the giant trucks. And um, easily could have, and most people would have, driven from where I ate over to PetSmart to go get the... Uh, dog leash but I'm going to walk and while I'm walking I figured I'd talk about the new SRAM wireless shifting that just came out it's pretty cool a whole bunch of news stories if you start googling it you'll find it it's called the e-tap electronic tap and so we've had electronic shifting for a while where there's batteries and servos that power the shifting and Shimano and Campy Compagnolo whatever have had it for a while. Ooh, look at this bike. What is this? Uh, Yum, uh, a Vulcan? What is this? Or is it a Harley? No, it's a Vulcan. Very nice. Kawasaki Vulcan. The, um, so it's really well proven. A lot of people like it. It's kind of a personal thing, whether you want mechanical or electronic. But people say once you go electric, it's so amazing. You don't ever want to go back. So I could see that. Um, I don't own it, so I couldn't tell you. But I would love to try it. Anybody want to send some my way? <laughs> you know how to get in touch. I will review the hell out of it. And the uh, you still got cables. So SRAM's been uh, putting it on their their Black Skunk Works version of this stuff on pro bikes for a while now. It's like considered the worst kept secret in cycling is the uh, release of SRAM's electronic shifting but without wires uh, because even with Shimano's wires need to transmit the signal to the derailleurs in the uh, you know on the down by the crank and down by the rear and this system does it wirelessly and a few people I've noticed we're a little disappointed because it's mostly wireless. So you, um, there's wires in the front. If you get the time trial bike version for triathlon, there's wires in the front that end up going to a junction box by the stem. And then that is wireless transmitted to the derailleurs in the back, but the derailleurs in the back uh, you know, by the crank, the two derailleurs are actually connected with wires to a battery and a signal a receiver, I guess, maybe a transmitter. But uh, so it's kind of like mostly wireless. And I think those people are being kind of nitpicky, you know. But yeah, I could see where you'd really want it to be wireless, like completely. The rear derailleur isn't wired to the front derailleur. Yeah, so maybe, maybe that's coming. It's a, it's a, they're sharing, the derailers are sharing a battery pack 
I think. And uh, to do that, they need to be wired to it because you got to wire to a battery. So it's like a single point battery, which is nice, instead of batteries scattered all over the place. Um, overall, people are really excited. $2,700 is not exciting. $2,800. Um, I've got a friend that's looking at buying uh, either a diamond bike frame or a Cervelo P5. And uh, he was going to get SRAM wireless, and now he doesn't know. He says he might have to sell a kidney to afford this. <laughs> so that's where we're at. A little bit of industry news. It's pretty cool. All right, I'm going to... Uh, head into PetSmart and I'll be back. Alright, we're back. Looks like I was wrong about the SRAM wireless. I was rereading some of the articles and uh, no, there's a battery pack in each derailleur. <laughs> and you can swap the batteries back and forth between each other if you need to. So uh, that's pretty cool, man. There is no wire connecting the, the two derailleurs. Um, there's just wires connecting the uh, shift buttons up front if you do the time trial setup for a road bike. I don't, even, I, I don't think there's even wires connecting the two, uh, the two hoods. It's pretty neat. Anyway, I wanted to clear that up before we went any farther. And turn on the AC. It's really hot here. Let's see. There was something else. Um, I wanted to mention a sponsor for the show. Amrita Bar's longtime sponsor. I ate one this morning. I had the mango one. So good. Get up in the morning. Amrita bar, cup of coffee, boom, went to the pool and had a really good swim. Just power keeps pouring on because they're a little slow to digest and uh, super healthy. If you have a nut allergy, they don't have any nuts in them. They have seeds instead and lots of different flavors. And you can get 15% off, not 10% off, 15% off Amrita stuff at Amrita Foods. AmritaHealthFoods.com AmritaFoods I don't have it on me Oh my gosh You can Google it Get to their website You're a grown ass man Or woman You can Google it Figure it out With discount code ZEN All capital letters Z-E-N I want you to definitely Definitely check it out Alright I Also Wanted to mention That um, You can listen to different music and podcasts and activate your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. We hear about this a lot. So stress is your sympathetic, I think. Uh, one is stress and one is relaxation. And you need a balance between uh, each of them. If you, uh, let's say that it's sympathetic is your, um, is your stress one. Well, if you never activate that, well, you'll never do anything. You'll be like those uh, people on that planet in Firefly that just died from apathy. <laughs> Stress is actually what makes you get stuff done, you know? When your boss comes down and goes, Hey, where's that report that you promised me? You're like, ah, crap, and you do it real fast, right? Uh, when you're excited about something, you got a race coming up soon. Find out you, uh, you get up earlier and you get stuff done better and faster and sharper, right? Uh, caffeine stresses out your nervous system. It's actually just a slightly bit toxic to your nervous system. Stresses it out. Gets it all activated. Say you're all crazy. And uh, parasympathetic is all the recovery stuff. It's supposedly yoga, which actually stresses me out because I suck at it. But uh, relaxing and being talked to in a nice, calm voice uh, activates your parasympathetic. Uh, relaxation, rest, my vacation I went on, right? All kinds of great stuff. 
Well, there's, um, I need to change lanes and I'm not being allowed. And a guy's driving all crazy around me. So did you just honk at me, dude? You need to calm down. Anyway, I'm talking about parasympathetic over here. Oh, well, he must be in a rush. I guess he's having a baby. Um, so you can, I was thinking like, man, what kind of music could I listen to to kind of relax me, uh, but not get me too relaxed and that'll, uh, I can just play while I'm at my office, you know, just working on, you know, nonsense. And then I thought, I thought for a while, cause I like listening to heavy metal. Well, that's, that's your sympathetic, man. That stuff gets you in a rage, you know, I'm like, well, I don't want that. And then I thought, um, this downbeat blue room stuff. And I'm like, no, that'll put me to sleep. And then it hit me. Reggae. Reggae is awesome, man. It makes you happy, but it's got a nice beat to it. So it gets you kind of moving, but not stressed out. It's very relaxing. They're high on the ganja all the time. So uh, everything good. Everything Chris. Everything iry, iry, iry. And I'm like, uh, cool. So I put on my reggae. I created a reggae channel on Pandora. And if you go without, if you pay to not have the commercials, it is totally worth it. Um, I went for a couple years just for free and then I about just wanted to punch myself in the face uh, after listening to all those commercials, same commercials over and over again. Anyway, the, um, the other thing was I went back, after a while I went back over to my podcast list. And this is something I wanted to mention. This disease that we've got of this do everything, this is so American, I think. I keep hearing this. Uh, do everything faster, better, stronger, you know, which ends up being more calories, cheaper. <laughs> I see people check out articles, uh, coupons in the, uh, in the newspaper and it's like huge slices of, of just like greasy meat, uh, at a super low price, you know, and they're like, look, I can get this cut of steak for only, you know, $4 for eight of them or I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Cause I don't look. And, and I'm like, Dude, if it's that cheap and they're trying to dump it, it's probably terrible. The you you know winning does not mean uh, the the uh, least cost possible. You know, like especially if something you're gonna be putting in your body, man. What are you crazy? Um, anyway, I digress. We uh, have this uh, problem with podcasts. These uh, hacking podcasts that are like better, faster, stronger, you know, and we all seem addicted to this crap. Um, and I remember Rich Roll did a, I mentioned his name way too much. Rich Roll did a little blog post about it or something like that. And everybody was like, wow, you're so amazing for thinking this. And it's like, well, yeah, man, it's stupid. This is getting out of control with all this. Um, at the top of my podcast list is the Tim Ferriss podcast. And the one, the title of it is create a world-class network in record time, right? Just think about that. Now, first off, I'm going to rag on Tim Ferriss here. And, and I thought the irony is, is that one of the best podcasts of all time is the one he did with uh, the record producer guy, which I'll remember the name in a second. One I'm not trying so hard to think of. It. The... Um, uh, this, okay, create a record, wait, wait, a world-class, think of that, you're going to create one that's best in the world, okay, in record time, so you're going to create the best in the world of anything in the shortest amount of 
uh, possible that anybody's ever done. I mean, when you think about that, that's like do that in triathlon. Win Ironman, not only win Ironman Hawaii, but win it in record time. Think about how stupid that is. And let's say that you go from nothing to that. Where's all the experience? Where's all the personal growth? All the, you know, you get better by facing stuff that you can't, that, that you know, challenges you, makes you better. If you just sailed through it like that, who would you be, man? It sucks. Anyway, I just noticed that at the top of my podcast, and it just, oh, made me like, bleh, want to throw up. And I'm like, that's just the stress, right? I was talking about sympathetic, parasympathetic, the stress of like being presented like with this. And now this, you're faced with this, you know, now you know it, you kind of have to do it is what you feel like. And it just stresses you out. You know, whereas there's the alternative is some of my favorite podcasts that relax me are the slow, one of them's the slow home podcast. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And by the way, Rick Rubin is the record producer that I was trying to think of earlier. That podcast with Tim Ferriss was so funny because Tim Ferriss, he's so zen, uh, Rick Rubin is, and relaxed and laid back and in the moment. And Tim Ferriss is like, what about this? Name me six things that do that. And name, how are you the best at this? And Rick Rubin's answers were all like, I don't know. I don't know those things. Right? It was just confusing to Tim Ferriss, which is really funny. Um, But that's an awesome you're, you're listening to a genuine master when you listen to Rick Rubin talk. It's incredible. Anyway, go listen to that one. It's amazing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, slow home podcast. Uh, when you need to relax and recuperate, stuff like that, um, Dharma Seed, D-H-A-R-M-A, Dharma Seed. And I don't know if Zencast is still on the air. Unfettered Mind. Oh, man. So relaxing and good. And anything by Jack Cornfield with a K. Um, it's kind of funny. I just realized Cornfield and Corn all begin with a K. The uh, heavy metal band. Oh, somebody crashed into that sign with their car. I think they're a little stressed out now. All right. I, uh, I've got some work to do this evening. i got to rub, massage out the knot in my leg. Which the more I rub it, the more it hurts. Which might be a good thing. And... Uh, what else do we have? Got to do some bike work. And uh, I might train tonight, might not, kind of seeing how I feel energy-wise. Uh, I've biked uh, many days in a row now. And at some point, you're kind of like, what's the point? <laughs> might take a break. I've been talking to Brooks. Is it Brooke or Brooks? Brooks Green, who's going to come down from Nebraska to do the Ultra Baby with me. Maybe we'll talk more about that next. Okay? I'll be back in a minute. Out, bang. Hey, dude. It's uh, 5.40 in the morning. Yeah, on the button. And I'm out here with Kona, the wonder dog, my giant black lab. And uh, we're going to go for a run. And I've had something on my mind called margins. And I wanted to talk about it while we get going here. And just start. I was waiting for my uh, Garmin GPS to uh, kick on. And it just did. So uh, let's start going here. we got our new leash. Oh, well, well, calm down, dude. Calm. Oh, my God, he's insane. <laughs> so the leash I bought was, um, man, if, if you're running at night or walking at night or just want more visibility, Kona's, uh, Kona's black. So he's really likely to get hit out on his own at night. Even running with me at the end of a leash, you know, you come around a corner, car, 
tears around the corner, hits them. So one of the reasons I prefer a white bike frame or yellow or something brighter, and I'm actually kind of against dark blacked out bike frames, blacked out wheels, is if you ever run or, I mean, bike at night or in twilight, sunset, early in the morning man it is risky 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 you need all the help you can get <sighs> anyway so extra time around your tasks these water these water bottles leaking hold on got my waist belt stuff and feeling a little bit of water uh, I got the dribbles and uh Come on, come on. Let's go. Extra time around your tasks or your little chores or your workouts or your drive commute and whatever. This little buffer area. I've been paying a lot of attention to this and it's really interesting. As you've heard me bitch about on the show, when I can't find something, you know, you're cramming all this stuff into, and it's cramming as much stuff as you can into as little time as possible, or the same amount of time, you end up running into a wall of something that you can't beat, and you learn there's a better way. A better way is to do less and allow a little bit of buffers and margins because it's relaxing. It's not as stressful. And then the things you do end up being done more with more quality, more better. And my example is, you ever notice on a page full of words out of a book, there's margins on the side. There's space on the side. That's on purpose, you know, space between paragraphs. You don't ever see a book with all the words just jumbled together, slammed into a page with no uh, spacing. And actually, if you look at a font on something that's higher quality, there's more spacing between the words, or the letters. I mean. And between parking spots, there's, there's space between the cars. And you say, oh, that's so you can open the doors. But ever notice how more relaxed you are whenever there's a little bit more space? <laughs> Even more space? Like, ah. Oh. And then in uh, road construction, something I used to be involved in, the wider the lanes, the more, actually the slower people drive. <laughs> um, it relaxes them. You plant trees on the side, and then the next thing you know, got relaxed drivers, everything's... It activates your parasympathetic nervous system to have a little bit of... What was that? Beam. You know, so there's... There's all these things you can do. A lot of them are going on, and you don't notice. Oh, I never turned on my watch. There we go. I'll add a couple minutes to the end. that make the things you do feel better and more relaxed. And like my vacation I just took, 
that was nothing but margins. And it just made me feel so much better and so relaxed and so self-fulfilled. It was incredible. I think we see a skunk or a cat up here. So there's little things you can do that you can engineer into your life that are just more relaxed, right? So I'm running and my daily running gear has touches of fluorescent yellow and Kona's new leash, which I wanted to recommend to people. Let's go for a dip, Kona. Come here. Come here. We're going to get in the... He's going to get in the pond. I'm not going in. It gets so hot in the high humidity. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Almost fell down. Okay, go jump in. Jump in. Jump. Jump. Come on. Kona, go. 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 Kona, come on. Dude, I don't have time for this. Go, go, come on. Do I need to run at the water with you? Come on. Ready, set, go. Go, 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 go. You don't want to get in. Okay. You're going to get hot. <laughs> so Kona's leash, the retract, running with a 16-foot retractable leash so he can really run around. Got nice margins, so his run is happier. They're now selling them with uh, the retractable part. Is... Uh, either bright yellow, you know, like road construction yellow, so you can see it at night. Big, long strip flapping. Or they had one with a reflective stitching sewn in, which is kind of cool too. And this, these little tiny little safety features these little margins make my run a whole lot better and it doesn't take much but because I know that cars can see me better it's just it removes a worry and it was just a little bit of executive function kind of ahead of time a little bit of forethought kind of gets me to the whole Iron Man thing, the purchase by the Chinese company, which is fine, but my whole aversion to the previous company that they were owned by, which is one of these companies that just rips a company apart, trying to maximize profit for the short term, <laughs> the margins cost more, you know? So in short term, a short term minded person with poor executive function says, why would I want to do that? It costs more to have a yellow stitching put in the leash. You know, we need to increase the value. It's like, no, there's other things that you aren't visible that increase value. And you can't put a dollar sign on how things feel until it's too late, Kona was peeing. Yeah. 
trying to save money, they eliminated pros from a bunch of races. And in the short term, oh wow, look how much money we're saving. <laughs> and then in the long term, registration, well, media exposure, and registration went way down. <laughs> like, oh, this is a problem. Yeah. People vote with their dollars, but they vote with their dollars on how they feel. And it takes time for you to notice this. But anyway. So this morning, after moving into the new house, been there a while, and slowly kind of getting things more efficient and more organized. See, when you're efficient, that allows you to have more space. Come on, let's cross over, babe. There you go. I'm four dogs into my running career. And the word I use, you know, like mushers. The uh, Eskimo dog teams, you know, they have certain words, but they don't have for mush and right and left, I guess. For us, crossing the street is cross. He just looked at me like, what? <laughs> we're in a <the> lawn. <laughs> I know, we're not in the street. But anyway, the household gets more efficient, starting to learn where the light switches are. This morning, I actually hit the right light switch when I wanted to. And I was like, ah. It makes things painless to get where you want to go. And it reminded me, I get allergy shots. I got one yesterday afternoon. If, if shots didn't hurt, you gonna poop? If shots didn't hurt, then uh, people wouldn't have a problem with going to get allergy shots. Right? Hey. Whoa. Let's hold up. I want, to drink, I want to drink water. We're at a mile in. Chill. Hey. And I was flipping on the light switch and the right one came on. And I was like, oh. This is like getting an allergy shot that doesn't hurt. Because what happens when you flip on the wrong light switch? There's somebody coming up here. Hold on, I'm be quiet. I don't want to scare them. This lady I know that one. Morning. What was that? <laughs> Something jumped out of the bushes into the into the creek. At the same time we were passing that guy. Um I'm on the ultra baby course. Which I guess we'll talk about in a second. Oh, I can see this leash lit up at night. All this helps a lot. This is good. Um, you turn on the wrong light switch, right? You're like, oh, is that really a big deal? At uh, yeah, it's the big. It's a big deal when it's the disposal <laughs> at uh, 5 a.m. <laughs> And what if there happens to be a spoon in it, right? Well, subconsciously, 
it causes a reflex. It's like, oh, I just don't want to turn on light switches at all. All right? So now, you're like, instead of turning on light switches, you want to do stuff in the dark. I think there's somebody up ahead. So now you don't want to do things at all. Or you don't want to turn on light switches at all. You want to fumble around in the dark and now all of a sudden your morning routine for getting ready for running or biking has you fumbling around in the dark, which is very unpleasant, making mistakes. So guess what? You quit doing it. So as we get settled into the house and we get more efficient and I have more margins and more space and more time to work through my mistakes and get them kind of sorted out, my morning routine was more, both more pleasant and actually I found myself with an extra 10 minutes of get up time and getting going. And then what I noticed was a great example was the string in my running shorts this morning was knotted and I needed to spend up to a couple of minutes trying to undo it with my fingernails. And I was like, it didn't bother me. Unlike usual where I'm like, where's my rolling pin? <laughs> where's, where's my running shoes? Where's the dog collar? Where's Kona's running choke collar? Because he's a maniac, right? Somebody's put it somewhere or whatever. I was like, oh, I got time to work on this. There was no, just the tiniest bit of minimal stress, which led me to enjoy undoing the, um, the knot in my uh, string, in my running short string. And when I... Uh, reached over to turn on the light switch to undo the string so I could see better I hit the right light switch because I'd been there a while and I've been efficient All right. so my whole point is life will always throw you unexpected bullcrap that is life And having a little bit of margin time allows you to deal with it with grace and with smoothness. Right, you wake up in the morning, this water reminds me that, oh, it's raining. You know? It's like, well, how am I gonna deal with that? Allow a little extra time. You didn't plan on the raining. Life just suddenly dealt you rain. Happens all day at work. Surprise email. Hey, guess what? This thing's broken. I need you to fix it before you leave. You're like, oh crap. Now the tough thing is how much balance, right? Or how much margin. If you notice, the margins on a book don't go on forever. Only extend 
accordingly, <laughs> soothing the right amount. If you do the right amount of margin, your book will sell better. Right. Kona and I are not covered head to toe in a high visibility. Hey, wait, hold up, Kona. I can't see because somebody's got a light on on their back porch and shining right in my eye. A trip or something. Right? That's too much margin. Now I can't see because this person's margin around their house is blinding. And it smells like cigarette smoke, too. They're probably out there smoking. That hurt me. Thanks for smoking next to my jogging trail. And our jogging trail. So if you make the margins too big, right? Well, now you're not getting anything done. And that's stressful. Come on. Come on this way. Hold on a second. I need to pee. Because I didn't pee before I left the house. Hold on. Let me pause this thing once I figure it out. It's nice to check. All right, we're back. Are you done, dude? Okay, let's go. Like Kona's leash, his old leash that I got rid of, the spring mechanism that retracted the leash quit working. And so the margin was too big, right? He would just dangle and just be like leash everywhere. And then he'd get his feet caught up in it. And uh, if you're not challenged enough, the right amount of stress is called eustress, E-U, I believe. And that's the amount of stress that keeps you entertained and gets you motivated. A little bit of anxiety is good. We were talking about that with coffee, right? Get you moving. Strong music. Makes you feel good. Because when you put yourself up against the right size wall and you have a little bit of a challenge, something to lean into, it's nice. It makes you feel accomplished. And if you know anything about chemistry and biology and psychology, we humans or every animal is not much more than a sack of chemicals and hormones. <laughs> and we act based on stimulus response. There's a theory that in the Middle East, so much of the the frustration and terrorism and all this other stuff comes from, um, and it happens all over the world. You get cities, Los Angeles, whatever. When the economy goes bad and there's a lack of jobs, well, people start acting frustrated and start doing bad stuff. They get destructive because if they're not put up against something to do, and make themselves feel better, well, they'll lash out. You can see this with little kids, you know, that are bored. Well, they get destructive. And like I've been known to say, endurance athletes, we're like border collies. We're definitely the type. We need something constructive to do. <laughs> I had a Dalmatian that was like this. In the genes. 
We need something to do. Or we're going to tear up your house. We're going to get destructive. Because we need to vent energy. Give people, kids, and school a Coke. Now they got all this energy. So they act up in class. He's like, what do we do with all these children that are acting disruptive? It's like you can point your finger down the hallway to the Coke machine and go get rid of that, give them an apple and a piece of cheese and your problems will go away. Oh, but the apple and the cheese industry is not knocking on the school's door. Saying we will give you $20,000 for an apple and cheese scoreboard at the end of your football field. No, it's Coke <laughs> that's knocking on your door. And why is Coke and Pepsi and McDonald's doing that? Short term gain. It comes full circle. It's gonna leverage you to the max going to ruin people's bodies and people's futures for short-term gain. And then those companies uh, just walk off with wheelbarrows full of money. It's not their problem anymore. A classic example is mountaintop removal mining from my homeland of East well, West Virginia, the Appalachians. You're going to sell the land rights, the mineral rights, to this mountain. Well, they remove the top of the mountain and then take the minerals that they were looking for, say it's coal or whatever, and then where does the top of the mountain go? It goes into the creek, and now it's polluting really badly because exposed ore is really toxic. And the solution, they say, is, well, the problem, the people profiting don't no longer live in the exact same spot as the place that they're taking the profits from, right? If you want iPhone production to no longer use child labor and toxic materials, Make Steve Jobs live in the factory that iPhones are made. Live in it, right? So a long time ago, the storekeeper lived above the store. You can still see these towns all over the place, right? They're not gonna sell toxic crap because they have to live with their family in above the store. Farmer's not going to toxify his fields for crops. So raise his kids in the same place. Has to use this land for generations. But nowadays, the, the top brass of any company can actually live hundreds of thousands of miles away from the place they're extracting the uh, goods from it's absolutely crazy and all they see is dollars 
and they don't see the devastation of what they're doing. Right? The president of Coca-Cola <laughs> doesn't live, doesn't teach uh, fifth grade. His kids go to private school where the teachers have more control and have plenty of funding and don't need that crap. I think that was a sign right there. What was that beat, Tona? What did that mean? How far have I gone? I don't know yet. Hold on. Oh, that was two miles. I need a sip of water. I'm doing the thing where a tiny, tiny sip of fuel. I'm stopping because I'm holding the microphone at the same time. I usually don't stop. I got half a teaspoon of gel, homemade gel. A little sip of water. What that does, it's investment in your future. <laughs> when you get an hour in, you haven't depleted all your resources. You don't feel like crap. You can keep going. So the lesson is, all these examples I'm giving is, uh, I'll make sure I'm recording. I always got to make sure. Is this is going on? These margins and investment in the future are going on all the time. Toyota has a 500 year plan for their company. Do you have a 500 year plan? <laughs> Why is Toyota such a successful company? Because they make smart decisions based on the long term and not leveraging the shit out of stuff in the short term. Like, I'm stopping well before this intersection so we don't have a problem with this truck. I'm running on a route that has very few dogs on it so Kona and I can have a nice run without him going crazy or us getting chased by dogs. Right? Nice margins. This road I'm running on right the second that I just turned on is a very relaxing road because it has nice margins. It's very cool. But again, the danger is too wide of margins and it causes stress. Went to New Mexico to work, took a job there. The lack the nothingness of New Mexico coming from where I'd come from some people liked it it stressed me out I was just like Bleh. there's not enough options not enough water so I needed to leave everything's relative everybody's different Kona I think I got a little cooler overnight this ain't bad So the whole Zen lesson here is actually nothing more than pay attention. And once you know things, for example, once you know macros, right? 
and, and macros, I mean fat, protein, carbs. I like to throw fiber in there. Once you know, you can't not know, you know? Once you know, usually somebody's acting like a jerk because of somebody, something that happened to them, not because of you. It's so liberating. You're like, oh, this isn't because of me. <laughs> Once you can look at a plate and go, there's no protein on this at all. This is too much carbs. There's no fat. That leads to behavior change without stress. You're just like, oh, add some fat. Right? So once you know, once you've heard this, and you're like, oh, a little bit of space makes my life good, but not too much space. You can't help but not know. Right? And you start seeing it everywhere. My commute to work is wonderful. It's about 15 minutes. There's a section of it that's a little stressful and a section of it that's really relaxing. It gets me energized, but the relaxing part gives me time to think. I'm like, ah, oh, it's nice. Kona, I think you and I are about halfway done. Got a little bit longer. Almost halfway. I'm gonna get off the mic. Oh, he, went, he just broke into a trot. Are we going faster? <laughs> he's happy now. He's like, Daddy's talking to me. Yeah. So Zen is all about paying attention, knowing some facts, but not judging and enjoying the ride. And once you know how things work, you can kind of engineer your environment a little bit and enjoy it. But remember, don't try to over-engineer it because it's ridiculous. You need a little bit of it not working correctly. That's what makes you happy as a human. This, how to create a world-class network in record-breaking time. Why? Where's the ride, man? All right, Kona. Let's run. Enough yakking. Zen is doing. Let's go. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. I think I've been blabbing on enough. I want you to think about Chris Haig coaching. Haig, H-A-G-U-E. He is a sponsor of the show. Awesome dude. Super enthusiastic, smart, fast, sharp brilliant. Uh, like we've talked about, uh, you really need a coach that inspires you and gets you moving. That's actually the most important thing and keeps you happy And uh, because it's happiness and excitement that gets you out the door every day to do stuff. And Chris Haig uh, definitely <laughs> falls in that camp. I'm a huge fan of him. And he's Tri Buddha on Twitter and also uh, Chris Haig Racing, I believe, uh, .com. I don't have it in front of me right this second. Easy to find. Super cool guy. And, uh, yeah, he's an online coach. So check him out. And 
Now we got that out of the way. Let's uh, talk about a couple things I want to leave you with. Um, first off, a quick snack that you may enjoy. A baked potato with guacamole and sriracha sauce. So baked potato is supposed to be the most filling thing that you can eat. They've tested it out. And man, you know, you eat the skin with it. That's got fiber and all kinds of vitamins and minerals and stuff in there. And it doesn't have to be a huge baked potato. They sell baked potatoes in all sizes. And you can, um, uh, well, yesterday afternoon, I did a small baked potato in the microwave for three minutes. And that cooked it perfectly. And then I cut it open to let the heat escape. Got to be a little careful with that. Let the heat escape. And then I... uh, put guacamole on it and I use the holy guacamole that's in the little bags I cut the corner of it and I squeeze out guacamole like cake icing on it and then uh, sriracha the guacamole's got fat and fiber in it which slows down the carbs of the potato and oh, I'm going way too fast I'm in a school zone you go 20 okay the uh, and then the sriracha gives it a little bit of kick hot sauce is supposed to uh, spicy stuff is supposed to scare cancer literally scare cancer right out of your body <laughs> But anyway, man, a mid-afternoon snack. Got to be like 3 o'clock. I was like, dang, dude, that was so good, man. Oh, wow. And uh, I want to leave you with that as an option for a snack. Really simple, easy to make. You could even do the baked potato at home and then bring it to work in a Ziploc bag and then eat it like that later. Um, Because I put it in the microwave, and then it was a non-microwave-safe plate. And after two and a half minutes, it exploded. Like the plate shattered in the microwave all on its own. And uh, let's see, a few other things. Um, At our new house, we still have no cable, no TV, no internet. And we've been getting by on minimal internet using the data connection on my phone, which costs extra. And also just watching DVDs off the, um, that we had, uh, DVDs and VHS tapes that we have laying around. And I got to say, while it's costing extra, to uh, use the data package on my phone for the for internet because I do online coaching and uh, what else do I need to do? Emails and check on work and stuff like that. I have to say, you would pay extra to have less just gibberish garbage being blasted away at you on your TV uh, all the time and the quietness. It's like you're on vacation at a lake house. My family has, my parents have a lake house in Tennessee and uh when you go there, uh, it's so remote that there's really poor TV. There's nothing to watch or, or anything. And so uh, it's nice, man. You get to actually relax and recharge, which we've talked a lot about on this show. And uh, that's really, you'd pay money for that. And we are paying money for that <laughs> by accident right now. But I'm not all that disappointed. And I'm actually enjoying the, uh, the minimal internet uh, situation. That's pretty cool. Um, the plantar fasciitis in my left foot that's really bad. I yesterday started working on it with a rolling pin. Is Jennifer behind me? Ah, a girl from work is the car right behind me. And uh, she's going to pull up next to me. This is fun. And uh, it's already making a huge difference in my leg. Um, I'm going to get behind her. She's smart she knows about this stuff, which lane to be in. She's in the right lane. And, uh, so my run this morning, uh, or getting up this morning and walk around, walking around hurt way less. It's already on the improve and, uh, improvement, uh, trajectory. And, um, 
Yeah, so basically rubbing it with the uh, rolling pin and looking for the spot that hurts the most. And uh, wow, man, it really hurts. But that means that's the right spot. It's on the uh, on my left leg. If you're looking at me from the back, it's on the right side of my calf is this knot. And when I rub it with the rolling pin long enough and then also the tendon as it runs down uh, lower below my uh, calf down to my heel, I rub that. I let my foot hang in the air so the tendon's nice and loose. So when I rub it, as opposed to put my foot flat on the ground, um, you can start feeling tingling all through the tip of the foot. Uh, and that's it reactivating circulation and nerves and stuff like that. Uh, reactivating circulation, which is letting the nerves actually feel something. And, uh, yeah, you can totally tell it's working. It's amazing. So I want you to stay tuned for next episode to see if actually I'm on the right track. Um, theoretically, it's working and I'll be all better. But we'll have to wait and see. You never know. And there's always the opportunity for more injuries. <laughs> and then um, on the back of the car right now, I have Kai's uh, specialized Dulce. Um, uh, his little his little road bike race bike and i've got the uh, chinese carbon wheels in the back seat and i'm going to take them to the um, bike shop and uh, today i'm going to run a little errand drop it off and ask them to uh, swap it out and we're going to see how it goes man so next episode we should have a little review of of kai's opinion on uh cheap ass chinese carbon wheels <laughs> on his bike and whether they're, uh, they're actually good or not. And, uh, I, I'm leaning towards, yeah, I think they're actually pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say than that. I'm really excited. So lots of stuff to, uh, listen to for, uh, stay tuned for, for next episode. And then also, um, lots more ultra baby coming up. The training is getting heavy. I've decided, uh, unless it just falls in my lap, I'm not chasing any interviews with anybody. Um, because I need all the time and, and everything to be working on this so much to do and, uh, that, um, uh, you know, getting interviews set up with pros or whoever I'm talking to is actually a lot of work and I, ha I have to do that instead of training and the, um, training and or organizing myself to get stuff done. And, uh, I need to really focus on the most important thing and not have, uh, you know, hidden distractions that are kind of pulling away from your time. Time's the most valuable thing. So that's it for this episode of Zen and Yard Triathlon. Everybody stay safe out there. Stay tuned for next episode. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out.